right. I'm going to hand it over to my better half. So proud of you, babe. Hey, guys. So excited to be here tonight and just get to be here with y'all. I'm really excited to just share what God's put on my heart to share. And we've been in this summer series called The Summer of Selah. We're just resting, we're pausing, we're leaning in with the Lord and learning what rest is like from the place of knowing the gospel, of knowing God as Father, and of remembering who he is, what he's done, what his blood paid for. And we've been um, talking through this acronym of rest, of remember exalt, surrender, and trust. And as I was actually preparing for my message, this wasn't intentional at all, but I was going through it. And as I was working through it, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm kind of like walking through each of these today. And so um, I'm really excited. We've been encouraging y'all to, to practice this daily and throughout the week of just either taking two minutes and you, at the red light or right before bed or taking it to really just be intentional with the Lord in the mornings of, of just journaling with God and walking through these steps. And so this week, one of the things that I was resting in of God and who he is was his name, Jehovah. El Roy. And it's a name that Hagar uses and cries out to God in the desert when she is sent away from Abraham with her son Ishmael, the, 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 the not chosen son of God through Abraham. And she's crying out in just agony. And she's saying, you are the God who sees me. Jehovah El Roy means you are the God who sees me and you are the God who sees to it on my behalf. And so this week, as I was just remembering that name of God, I was remembering that he really is the God who sees me and sees you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. He is very present and very aware of your needs and your desires. And I exalted him in that space of just remembering that name, that you are the God who sees me. You've gone before, you know everything there is to know, and you're trustworthy. And so I exalt you as the trustworthy God who sees me. And then that place of surrender of like, okay, I'm surrendering every place that feels unseen or unknown or unfought for. And again, choosing to just exalt him for who he is in that space and trusting him again. And then trusting him with the questions of place where there is question of you, if you are the God who sees me and the God who sees to it on my behalf, then you've already gone before, you're behind me and you are trustworthy. And so I trust you in who you are. And so, just again, I'm sharing that as an, and as an example of how, how simple it can be, how quickly you can just turn your heart to rest throughout the week and, and just fix your eyes on who he is, on one thing about him, and let him lead you into encountering his rest in that place. And so... Um, before summer really began, I, the Lord was giving me this phrase for some women in our life group that this, the invitation that this was going to be the summer of intentional encounter. And we spent some time talking about that in a ladies group together and and about a week later, Chris sends out this email and it was like to staff and some leadership team and, and the email said, summer of underline blank, you know, and he was asking, he was like wanting us to pray and just seek the Lord on what our summer series was going to be about, what God was saying, and, and so I was like, oh, that sounds familiar, the Lord just said summer of, of intentional encounter, that's so cool, and, um, and I just kind of didn't really engage with it because I have five kids, and you know, that happens a lot, and I, 
But it was just there in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, cool. And he kind of began sharing with me what he felt like the Lord was saying and what other people were beginning to send in. And he was like, I really feel like God's saying a lot about rest. Like, I feel like he's really speaking on this word rest and other people are kind of bringing that kind of same word. And I'm like, okay, Lord, how does intentional encounter and rest coexist? Because let's be honest, when you, when you hear the word intentional, um, intentional encounter can kind of sound like you're trying to do something. You're working for something or striving towards something. And, and so I was like, Lord, like, how, how does this, how do they both, how do they both exist together in this word of rest? And so as I do sometimes in my time with the Lord, if I have like a word that I feel like God is just putting in my mind, in my spirit, I will sometimes just literally go on Google and look up Bible verses about you name it, okay? So today was, or that day it was rest. I was like, okay, I want to know your heart for rest, and I want to know how encountering you and being intentional about encountering you can also mean rest. And I'm, you know, and when you do that, it come, sometimes it comes with 100 verses, sometimes it's 20 verses, and usually I'll just begin scrolling, okay? And I'll just be being intentional to lean in and just like listen and pay attention to ones that the Holy Spirit makes jump out to me. It's really simple, and <clears throat> but really helpful. And so I came across 2 Chronicles 14.2, and that's where we're going to start today in the Word. And it's this story about a new king who's rising in Judah, and he is doing some things differently than were done before. And it says, And Asa, the new king, did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places. He broke down the pillars and he cut down the ashram. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord. And the Lord gave him peace. And Asa said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and they prospered. And it was just in that moment where I was like, Lord, you did it. You made them work together. It says, we sought the Lord and he has given us peace on every side. And so I've come to tell you tonight that when we exalt and seek the Lord and encounter his presence daily, we find his rest and victory. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. We love you, God. We thank you for your word. We bless your holy name. And we just ask that you would come and fill this room with your glory tonight. Would you just do a work in our hearts and in our minds today like never before? Would your word become so alive in our midst? And would we just have fresh breath from your spirit in us after tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> So the things I want to focus on are kind of the three things that we see Asa do right out of the gate when he becomes a new king. It says he did what was right in the sight of God. So how do we um, know what is good and right in the sight of the God? In, in the sight of God? And it starts with remembering. <laughs> you see how that works? That's so fun. It's in our little acronym. Okay, it starts with remembering who he is, what he is worthy of, and what he has already said. You get to know his heart. You spend time leaning in 
to his presence. You get to know his word. You get to know his voice. And you just, you, do, you get to know his heart deeper through his word. And you get to know him as your beloved. Because when, you, when he is your beloved and you know that you are his beloved, the overflow desire from that place is the desire to do what is good and right in his eyes. And you get to know him by understanding and having a right understanding of his love for you. That is how you get to know him as your beloved. And the beautiful thing is that before you ever did anything for him, he chose you and he loved you. And it tells us that in scripture, it says that not because you loved him first, but because he first loved you in John, uh, 1 John 4. And so God actually did the work for us. He made a way in Jesus for us to know God and to be close to him, not just to know about him, but to actually know him, to know his heart and what is good and right in his eyes. Do you know, friends, that you are wildly loved by God? Wildly loved. So wild that Philippians 2 says that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being in human form. He humbled himself. Guys, a wild love. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross to die for our sins. And John 3:16 says that God so loved the world. There's that love again from the beloved that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This wild love gave up his life to give us life because of his love. This is radical love. It's a giving of himself to reconcile us to God and make a way for us to come into his presence with confidence. So it's not only that he paid for it, but he actually made a way to enter in to the presence of God every day through the blood of Jesus. He tore that veil in two on the cross. And we have access to the living God. We have access to our beloved because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And so when we remember him as our beloved, we are empowered by that love to do what is good and right in his eyes. So the second thing that Asa did after just acknowledging that he chose to do what was good and right in the eyes of God, it talks about all the things, all the false gods and idols that he tore down, that Judah had put up in place, that surrounding countries had brought in. He tore, it says he tore them down and <clears throat> took them away and broke them down. And so we talked about doing what was good and right in his eyes. How do we tear down idols? Again, we remember who God is. And we remember that he is the Lord of lords. And that he is Lord of all. And we exalt him. There's our E. We exalt him in his proper place in our lives. Like David in Psalm 139, we say to the Holy Spirit, we say, Search me, O God. Search my innermost thoughts and feelings and try me. Know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. So we cry out to the Holy Spirit. We say, search me, 
know me. May there be no hidden place in me. And then we repent for whatever he brings up or whatever he highlights in our lives and in our, in our minds and in our bodies. We turn away from the idols in our lives, the idols of self-idolatry, where we're exalting ourselves above God or we're exalting our own comforts above God. We, we, the, the idols of the fear of man, okay? The idolatry of our flesh or our own reputation. And um, we break down counterfeit rests. You know what I mean? The rests that you go to when you want to just numb out and chill out and don't really want to engage with everything going on in your life and in your heart and in your mind. We, we exchange the counterfeit rest for his true rest by seeking him and knowing him more fully. And so we, we, we get rid of all of those things, all of the other altars that we've built for our own glory and our own protection, and we bow. We bow down to the King of kings and the only one who is worthy, and we humble ourselves there. We name our sin, we confess our sin, and we tear it down in our lives, and we walk in the light, and we say, no more in Jesus' name. And you know what? This is all only also possible because of the beautiful, generous, extravagant, radical love of God through the blood of Jesus that he paid for in full. His blood speaks a better word. And so that is how we tear down idols. We lay them at the foot of the cross and we allow God to have his rightful place in the highest throne of our lives, leaving no room for false worship or idolatry. So we... T- we do what is good and right. We tear down those idols. And so how do we obey and seek the Lord? If we're following this breakthrough of intentional encounter and pursuit and the rest that God brings when we do that. Jesus himself said that if you love me, you will obey me. So we obey God by obeying his word, which we were talking about earlier, that it is the foundation of righteousness in our lives. We obey the word of God, we turn away from our sins, and we seek him with our whole hearts. We surrender our lives, there's our S. See how it's all kind of coming together? I promise you that wasn't on purpose. We surrender our lives to his word, his commands, and we find him and his rest in that place. So, Jesus is telling this parable in Matthew and he's talking about the kingdom of God that it's like a treasure hidden in a field. And he tells this story about a man finding this treasure and he goes and he sells everything so that he can buy the field with the treasure in it. So we were at a friend's house a few weekends ago. We got to stay there for a couple nights up in Park City and they live on a golf course and uh, there's this little creek that flows behind it and It's beautiful and lovely, and everywhere you turn is just like the glory of God, which is kind of how I feel everywhere here, but especially there. And our boys, every time we go up to this house, they love looking for golf balls in the little stream that flows through the golf course. And it's like their favorite thing to do in this particular house has a little like golf ball stick snatcher thing that you can shove into the water and pull golf balls out with. And it's the coolest little contraption. And so they were doing that. And all day long, we're seeing all these golfers drive by and no one's thinking about the balls in the water and no one's stopping to try and find the hidden treasure. They're just going on with their merry way, but it doesn't change the fact that the the treasure is there, okay? The treasure is there. My boys know it's there, and they're like, when can we find the golf balls? And so finally came time when we let them go, and they end up pulling up like 
36 golf balls out of this creek that like some of them you could see, some of them you kind of had to dig around for a little bit, but they were rejoicing because apparently like a thing of three golf balls is like $15. And so my boys are like, we're rich, we're rich. And just celebrating this victorious treasure. And guys, do you know that the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And if you go searching for it, you will find it with such abundance and with such joy. And it, it's amazing. And it begins with an invitation. And, to, and you need to remember, the radical love of the beloved has already made a way for you to enter in with confidence. But the invitation is just to come. Isaiah 55.1 says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Seeking the Lord and choosing to exalt him is a heart posture. It's a posture of coming to him through the open way that Jesus has already made for you and coming with expectation that he is faithful to be found by those who seek him. So we're just gonna let the word wash over us for a minute as we kind of move towards the end here to just see what God's word actually has to say about seeking him and some of the promises that come with that. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You guys see that promise there? Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. In Psalm 105, 3 through 4, it says, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Friends, a life of worship is a habit, a daily cultivated habit, an intentional encounter and appointment with the God of all, who he made a way for us to encounter through Jesus, okay? And I promise you that you will find so much freedom even in, in group settings and different worship settings, you will find so much freedom in the Lord when you are intentional about encountering him and worshiping him every day of the week, Monday through Friday, or Saturday, not just here on Sunday. I promise you that. And so in response to this invitation to come and seek, we get to step into what he has already purchased for us again. And we step in from a place of humility, okay? It's a, it's a recognizing and an acknowledging our desperate need for him. That we, we, he made the way, right? He paid for it in full. He opened the, he tore the veil and made a way. And he's just saying, come and I will be there. Come and I'll be there. And, and then, so we get to come acknowledging our desperate need for him. And our utter reliance on the only one who can actually set us free and give us rest. And we come with an unwavering trust that he really is who he says he is. 
we're surrendering our lives, seeking, um, seeking him as the one who is exalted, is high and lifted up above all else in our lives. And so as we close here today, I'm just going to share some very practicals about what does it look like to encounter God and to seek him. And um, we, Jesus made a way for us to connect with God. That's where it starts. It's us understanding the love of the beloved, and it's understanding that he already made the way. And John 14, 6 says that no one comes to the Father except through me. So there's one way to God. His name is Jesus. And, but in Jesus, there are many ways for us to connect with God in how God has made us as individuals. And I think the church has done a disservice to so many saints because we've said it has to look like this to be counted as time with God. And it's just a big fat lie to leave people discouraged, to leave people feeling like, well, maybe I just don't know how to connect with God. And it's just not true. There are so many ways to connect with God. People connect with God through creativity. They connect with God through movement. They connect with God through worship and music and solitude and remembrance and conversation. They connect with God through nature and adoration, through studying his word. And can we just break open the box and bring some freedom in this house today that God made you on purpose for a purpose and he wants to connect with you the way he created you to connect with him. And so if that's running, beholding his glory while listening to worship or listening to the Bible because you learn better through listening, do it, okay? If that's being alone with God, like me in a room alone with headphones in and I'm in solitude with God, with the worship loud in the glory cloud alone that's where I want to be okay and and but it's it's learning it's learning some people do it through art through creating okay if it's on the keys pray on the keys listen to worship on the keys listen to the scripture on the keys we got to get the word in us his word needs to be a part of it but find him Seek him how he's made you to seek him. I've seen it in my kids. I've seen it in myself and my marriage. We're different and it's okay that we're different. And so be free to encounter God in the ways that he made you. Some of my kids cannot stop moving while they're worshiping, but it's how they're connecting with God. And I've had to repent to them because sometimes it feels overwhelming to me. And I'm like, you're a lot right now. And, and, they cry because they think they're worshiping and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible mother. And I have to shepherd their hearts and I have to look at them and say, you're different than me and that's okay. God made you that way. I see your joy and you connect with God through moving your body. Let me shepherd you and how to do that in a way that is not distracting or destructive, but is actually worship and turning your worship in that. Some of my kids connect with him through worshiping, through art, and it's beautiful. Guys, this, isn't, this also isn't a personality preference. This is a he's worthy of our adoration, and he is worthy of the glory due his name, not because I feel comfortable about it, okay? I'm an introverted internal processor, all right? But that doesn't dictate how I worship God. I connect with God most in solitude, in worship, in time with him, with his word. 
but it doesn't change the fact that the Word of God says, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. He is worthy. So if you need, even in corporate settings like this, if you need to connect with God in solitude, go worship in the corner. Be free to do so. Get on your knees. That's sometimes I get on my knees because I'm just like, Lord, I am so in awe of you and I am in this reverent place of worship. Sometimes I get on my knees because I'm being so distracted and I just want to see his face. And so I get on his knees, on my knees because he's worthy of my attention and my adoration. And so as we finish, I know I gave you, I I think y'all came up a little early, but we're good. Keep going. Um, As we finish now, I said that a little too soon. Um, I can't give you my intimacy with God. Only you can fill your lamp with oil. The oil is his, his spirit, and it is intimacy that you have cultivated with him. And church, these are the days of filling up with oil. Your oil with God, because my oil isn't gonna sustain you. It's not, it's not gonna keep you filled up and it's not gonna keep you shining and waiting for the bridegroom to come. You gotta be filled with oil. Because y'all, we were made for this. We were made for his glory. We were made for his presence. We were made for this. This is what we were made for. And he made a way. He paid for it in full. He made a way for us to have access every moment of every single day. And so, can I mother you for a minute tonight? So there's this, you know, there's this invitation to come. There's a command to seek the Lord. Church, seek the Lord with your whole heart. I want to go back to where we started in 2 Chronicles. A little bit after that story, they seek the Lord. They they have this rest that God provides. They... And then uh, an army of a million Ethiopians come up against them. And Asa says, we got to seek God on what we're going to do. And they seek the Lord and he delivers them. Not one out of a million remains because God defeated the army on their behalf. And the people are living in this place of rest, of deliverance, and of continually seeking God as a people together and the rest and victory that that abides there. And in 2 Chronicles 15, 14, it says, the people of Judah swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them and the Lord gave them rest all around. Guys, we are called to be a people that trust that he who promises is faithful. We trust in his character, we trust in his word, and we trust that when we seek the Lord, that he will be found and he will give rest all around. So there is an invitation. I want you guys to stand as we 
begin to uh, prepare to respond. There is an invitation tonight for us to make an oath with the Lord, a covenant with Him, to seek Him with our whole hearts and trust that in His presence, daily seeking Him, He will bring the rest that we so desire and need every single day. And one of my personal daily encounters this week as I was preparing for this time and as I was just asking, I was saying, God, what do you want? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to give? What do you want to pour out? What do you want them to know? And I heard him just, and when I say I hear him, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So I, in my spirit, knowing his character, knowing his word, he brought truth to mind in my spirit, okay? He said, I want them to know me. I want them to know my heart and my voice and my truth and my love. I want them to know that I love to enter open hearts where I'm given access. But he's not gonna force himself on you. He's a good father. But he does want to remind you that he paid for it already and he made a way through Jesus for you to enter into his presence every single day, moment by moment, with confidence that you would know his love and that you would come expecting to find him. His radical, wild love that paid it all for you that you would encounter his presence daily and find freedom there in him. And that you would lean into his love because he's made a way for your victory and your rest. So as we worship tonight, I feel like there's two ways for us to respond. I feel like one, there's a call to repentance that's just between you and the Lord. God, show me the idols in my life that I need to tear down so that I can find your rest, so that I can know what is good and right in your eyes. And so just the invitation, say, search me, O oh God, know my thoughts, show me the idols in my life, the counterfeit rests that I have chosen and made higher than you in my worship. And then this invitation and the command to seek the Lord in a new way, and even now, just opening your heart to God and just saying, God, how do I best connect with you? What are gifts that you've given me? Is it art? Is it movement? Is it worship? Is it creating with you? Is it just, is it studying deep, deep depths of scripture? Is it, what is it, God? Is it just adoring? Is it remembering what you said and what you've already done? So God, we do, we just say, come, Holy Spirit, would you search us and know us, Lord? Would you open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive a fresh revelation of who you are and who you've made us to be, God? And would you awaken and ignite fresh fire in us tonight to know you, to seek you and find you as we seek you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name.